Our good friends at Johnio welcome you to this episode. Now, the iconic Johnio clothing brand logo of the surfer and his longboard first caught my eye several years ago, but it's the signature Johnio style where West Coast meets East Coast prep that truly changed the game for me, and I've been wearing Johnio ever since. And now our listeners can use promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order at johnny-o.com. That's 20% off the regular price. Price at johnny-o.com. Use the promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome. to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted. Built and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. This is episode 132. Thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. Maintaining balance in life is something that we all strive for, but one of the keys to having balance is knowing when you don't actually have it at all. And Sylvia Fowles continues to seek that balance each and every day. From a two-time WNBA champion with the Minnesota Lynx to also a three-time gold medal winner for Team USA, Sylvia not only proved that she understands the importance of balance, but also that you can, in fact, get better with age. Now, before being selected second overall by the Chicago Sky in the 2008 WNBA Draft, She would be named an All-American twice and earn SEC Player of the Year honors her senior season at LSU, and LSU would retire her number 34 in 2017. After she was traded to Minnesota in 2015, Sylvia would be named WNBA Finals MVP in 2015 and 2017, while also earning League MVP for the WNBA in 2017. Her accolades continue overseas as well with multiple championships, and she was recently named to the 2020 SEC Legends team. Honored to share episode 132 with Sylvia Fowles. Sylvia, thank you so much for letting me steal some of your time. I greatly appreciate it. And I know you've earned a lot of different <laughs> awards and achievements right. over your career. Mm-hmm. But being honored for the 2020 uh-huh. SEC Legends and mm-hmm. now on Rich Take on Sports Podcast, I mean, sky's the limit for you, right? You know it. <laughs> thank you. Oh, no, I greatly appreciate it. But in all reality, mm-hmm. uh, a Legends Award like this, mm-hmm. that's a legacy type of award right. for your career. Mm-hmm. How, how does that make you feel getting recognized like that? Um, it's very humbling, for one. Um, but at the end of the day, it kind of makes me feel old. And I, <laughs> I think because I'm still now currently into the basketball world, so to be considered as a legend, I mean a legend, it's kind of like far beyond past these years right now. But um, I am totally blessed uh, to be named uh, uh, um, <laughs> a legend. A legend, yeah. Uh, and, Probably and, something you never really no, I'm not, thought you, about. It was never on your radar. No. That was not a goal, I right? mean, I think a lot of things uh, sports-oriented wasn't on my goal. I think um, coming into this thing, my, my mindset was just be the best that I can be and go out there and accomplish as much as I can accomplish. But um, the list goes on and on, and um, I am grateful, and I'm truly blessed, I yeah. must say. Well, I think it's interesting, too, that you and Candace Parker, yes. at the same time, just how things come full yes. circle in terms of, I mean, talking about 
competitors. You yes. guys have been going at it, it seems <laughs> like Whatever. for a long time. Um, we've actually been going at it since like AAU days. I remember us having some good competitions in AAU. And it's funny that you say how me and Candace are here because they've been trying to get me to do this legacy thing for like the last five years. And um, I've been reneging on them. For oh, like, no. <laughs> I've been reneging on them for like the, the last five years because overseas jobs come up and then opportunities present itself. And I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry I can't be there. But this year I was very determined to be here. I was dedicated. You were going to make it. And I'm here. And and I'm I'm happy to do it with Candice because we started this thing together and hopefully we ended together. And that's what I think. I mean, God had a pathway for you and Candice to come together together. at at the same time. And so speaking of pathway, Mm -hmm. of far as now where you are, Mm -hmm. let's rewind Uh and go back to the early days growing up in the Fowles family and just how sports became important to you. What were some of your first earliest memories? Um, so growing up, uh, I'm from a sports family. I'm the youngest of five, so we all play sports year-round um, in the house. Basketball was never my go-to sport. Um, I did not enjoy it. I did not like it at first. That um, wasn't your first love? It, it was not my first love. Volleyball was my first love. Um, I tried to follow in the footsteps of my sister and run track because huh, my mother ran track in their early ages, but it just wasn't my thing. Um, after getting hounded, for two years in middle school by the coach, I finally decided to give basketball a chance and go out and... Um, and why was he hounding you? Um, because I was taller than everybody and, and <laughs> he probably seen something in me that I didn't see in myself at that point. Um, but I went out and tried it and just fell in love with it. Um, I was very uh, raw at that point. I was not good at all. So it didn't come natural? No, it did not come natural at all. It took a lot of work, um, but I'm here today. So I'm very happy and grateful at where I am in life. And so when you... Look back, uh, you say you weren't that confident. Uh-huh. Why, why not confident on the basketball court when you first started? Because um, it wasn't my go-to sport, for one. And then I was looking to try to please people. I wasn't doing it for the fun of making Seal happy. It was like, um, make sure you make mom proud. Or you have to make brothers look good because they've been beating you up all these years <laughs> on the basketball court and things like that. And so once I put things into perspective of liking it because this is something that I want to do, that made things a whole lot easier. But I was always a shy kid as well, too. So it took a while for me to break out my shell. Shy kid. Why, why, why were you shy? Um, more so of uh, just trying to figure out and get a feel of how people felt about me or how would they view me or look at me in certain situations. But once I got past that phase, it was just just be yourself. And are you still that way today? Um, in certain situations, shy? in certain situations, I won't say shy. Um, I say I'm very observant, and I sit back and I watch. But shy, definitely not. Are you a little <laughs> closed off though at times? Um, I can be. Or protective um, of letting emotions out. Uh, letting emotions out, no. Well, I know I've seen on the court, yes. <laughs> that is for certain. <laughs> <laughs> letting emotions out, I no. I mean, more, you know, just in. In, in relationships, um, uh, I, are, are I, you protective? Your I can trust issues. I don't have trust issues anymore, um, but I can say that I I I do observe before I let people in. Should I say I won't try to put it in the trust category because that's a whole another topic thing. But I am very, um, I guess you can say, protective of who I let in my circle and who I let affect my feelings and my emotions. Yes. How has sports then? helped you have to deal with some of that because obviously, I mean, sports, it, it puts you in uh-huh. a spotlight. Right. I mean, both positive and negative. Right. And, you know, having to, you know, worry about 
pleasing other mm -hmm. people or not pleasing right. other people because we know in life you can't please everybody. No, you can't. Um, I think it's all about balance and making sure you balance every category. So I try to put things into like a coach's player perspective, uh, fans, family, friends, and then you have an outside box where you just have people just willing to just throw daggers oh, yeah. at you the, the, all the that's time. A, that's the social so, media whack so, jobs, right? Yeah, yeah you, those people you can never please. And I think once you find a happy balance of how can I be given of all categories without giving a, a hoop nanny about what they feel? Um, I think that's when life gets much, much easier for you. Yeah, and are you at that point now? Have you come to most, that realization? Most definitely, most definitely. It took a while, but it's, it's, it's a hard situation to let go, especially when you're very pleasing to everybody. Um, it's kind of hard to be in that situation, but yes, I'm definitely at the point where I'm just like, your thoughts don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> when did that happen for you? Um... Sadly, I would probably want to say this transition happened for me probably like my first couple of years in the league. Uh, so that's a lot to deal with, a lot to handle because you're thinking about, oh, I want to make the family look good, but at the same time, I got to make my teammates look good, got to make the team look good, got to make the organization look good. And so all these things trickle along, but then you still have to be somewhat pleasing to the fans. And so I think once I got past that phase, I just was like, this is just too much. Like, this is who I am. You set me for who I am. If you don't, then that's what it is. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that <laughs> sports put you in yes. that position. I mean, you can learn so much mm -hmm. from sports of how to deal with those type of things, but it's sports that's putting you in position right. that you have to face those realities. I mean, um, I think everybody should have to go through sports. Um, it just teaches you so many mechanics that you have to deal with throughout life, not just on the court, on the field in the gym, you know, it's just like daily, lively skills that sports teaches you how to deal with outside of the sports area. And um, so much. I'm so grateful for that because without sports, I don't think I'd be the person that I am today. What about the times you're first getting out on the basketball court, though? Uh -huh. You said it wasn't your first Ooh. love, but what was it like just um, getting out there? It did not come natural. Um, I was a hot mess, to say at least. Uh, very athletic, of course. Um, but just mechanics-wise, I was just terrible. My job was to seriously get rebounds, outrun everybody, and make layups. And once I got to high school, I had some really great high school coaches who like took their time out to like work on me with things. And uh, once I got that down packed, and then my role ahead just was smooth then it became natural for you it became natural for me once you once you learn like i won't say the proper mechanics because i didn't learn that until about a couple of years ago <laughs> <laughs> but once you learn like the ins and out of basketball and being a step or two ahead of your opponent things just get so much easier and so when you learn that it's like in life when when this happened how do you be counterproductive and so once i learned those things uh how to nick twick and get through certain situations, I was like, oh, this is gonna be easy. Yeah, well, obviously in life as well, once <laughs> yeah. you have right. experience and have confidence, mm -hmm. it does make things easier. A whole lot uh, easier. Because you're not as fearful about you know, what the outcome might be, because it just does become natural. Right, and you're not one-sided too. I think a, a lot of people think this is the only way you can get it done. I'm like, no, this is not the only way, but how can you get it done the best way that you can, but still get the same result? And so I think, once you, you get that dynamics of things, it's just like, it don't have to be your way, but I'm still getting it done. And so once you get past that point, things is way, way easier. A little bit easier. <laughs> what do you mean about you just learned some mechanics over the past couple of years? So I'm probably like the most unorthodox player there is 
in the league. Um, I had this hitch in the twitch every time I shot. So like, it wasn't mechanic, like bend knees up with shot release. Mine was like, bend knees, stand up, flick, shoot. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so- Yeah, but it was working for you. It was you. working, it worked for me. I, I made my free throws, I made my jump shots. And so uh, last year was my first year not going abroad. And my coach was like, look, we're gonna spend time in the gym. This is the things that we're gonna work on. And at first I was so excited. I was like, yeah, taking on new challenges. I'm ready for this. <laughs> and then like probably after a week in the gym, I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over it. I was like, I'm over it. This sucks. I get frustrated. You know, I get emotional. I get teary eyed and coach just stopped being the coach right then and there. She was like, Sim, listen, breathe, take your time. It's not that hard. It's just about your focus and about muscle memory. And she was like, I don't want you to be this hard on yourself. And so once I, I put those things into perspective and, you know, took a little breaths, a couple of breaths and stuff and calmed down, I'm like, okay, it does make it a lot easier. But you're so hard on yourself because everybody else is going to be hard on you. Um, you. You forget about those things that comes natural if you just put the time in it and make sure you get that muscle memory down packed. And so once I got past that phase, um, things did become a little easier, of course, but at the same time, it also taught me that you don't have to be so hard on yourself. Um, you can work smarter, not harder type thing. So have you always been hard on yourself? Always, always, because yeah, you, to what degree? Um, cause I'm such a competitor. Like I said, I'm the youngest of five. So I always had to prove myself. Like I can do it too. You know, I can do this just as good <laughs> as you can. And so I think, uh, it, a lot of that triggered from that, of knowing that yeah, I know I can do it. it. Might not be your way, but I still can get it done. And so I think a lot of that competitiveness as a kid, like being with other brothers is like, you ain't gonna outshine me type thing. So when I get to those points where I can't get over that hump, it's like, you know, you can do it, but why isn't, isn't it working? Like at this point that you want it to work. And I'm like, well, you just got to keep working a little bit more, tweaking things a little bit here and there along the way. And then eventually happy for you. And that's, that's exactly what happened throughout my career. I mean, it didn't all come in one second. Um, when I first started to leave, I just was a defensive threat because that's what all I was taught, just to play defense. And as the years came along and coaches wanted me to become an offensive threat, I'm just like, that's not part of my game. Like, that's not what I do. But just being comfortable to step into that role and making sure that it's pleasing for you, but at the same time, it's pleasing for everybody else. Now, do you like the, the role now that you are considered an <laughs> offensive player as well? <laughs> I, I, I do like the role that I'm uh, considered as an offensive player, but it did took me some time to like get into that role because I'm just like, it's for the people out here. Why I got to go through me? Like, <laughs> and so, it, and those, those are the things that coach was like, okay, yeah. But sometimes like, still like, you are the go-to player. Like, it's okay for you to feel that way. But me, on the other hand, I'm like, no, but it's us for the people out here. I don't want to feel that way. Because so, you're going back to, the, you want to please people. Yeah, I went back to trying to please people. And then that too, I think I always want people to feel like they're involved. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, more so because that's just the upbringing that I was brought around, like making sure everybody feel like they're involved. So I never want people to feel like they're left out. So I think a lot of that triggers from that too. Like, I'm like, yeah, I know I'm happy, but... I got to make sure one, two, three, four happy as well, because we all out there together. So if one person not happy, that throws off the chemistry. Um, and so you just don't want that. So I just try to make sure everybody's happy. How close is your family? Uh, we're very close. So um, I'm south of the city now. I'm like 45 minutes south of Miami. 
And once I moved, my sister and my mom moved. They was like, no, you're not getting away from us. So we all stay like 15 minutes apart. Um, and my, my brothers, they all stay in the city. So they're close too. But every weekend we're at somebody's house. And so um, right before I came here, my brother's name was at my house. And boy, it was crazy. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? I wasn't ready. Um, I'm, I'm so you weren't ready? Because I'm so used to being on my own at this point. And so... Uh, I'm used to just being quiet and peaceful and moving when I'm ready to move. I ain't got to worry about no kids smacking me in my face in the middle of the night. <laughs> and so having, having them there uh, put me back into that perspective of, you've been by yourself too long. <laughs> I wasn't but you ready. do get used to it. I, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. It, it was just too many kids, too much noise. And I was just like, I just want to meditate and please. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, but we're very close. So I talked to my mom three times a day. Three times a day. Three times a day. My sister probably two, depending on what, how far in the week it is or when she's at work or not. Um, my youngest brother, well, he's older than me, but he's the youngest of the boys. He's right before me and my are the youngest two. We talk, that's like my partner in crime. We talk on a daily basis as well. Um, my older brother, we probably get a good talk in probably twice a week. He more of a, I'm going to go take care of my business type thing. But at the end of the day, I don't think... Well, that's your support system, that right? Is, that is my support system. But I don't think we go a week without not saying something to each other or without seeing each other. So that's pretty close to me. I think that's very special. To, <laughs> it yes. is special. Yes, it is. Special. It is. And I have a lot of nieces and nephews, too. So that makes it very beautiful. Yes, yeah. I, I, I would agree. As you now make the transition, you're playing basketball. Uh -huh. you, you start finding out that you're pretty good. Mm -hmm. When did it really come into the picture that, okay, I could actually do something far beyond just being a great high school basketball player. Right. Um, I want to say that came probably like my sophomore year in high school. Um, I started getting a lot of like letters from colleges and stuff like that. And so it became a little stressful um, for me. Yeah, what it, was that process like? It was crazy. It was crazy. But even when before, you say crazy, it, describe crazy. Even before... I can say by the time I got to high school, I was getting recruited to go to middle school. Oh, so other, to other go, middle, to, yeah, other to, go schools. to middle school. I was getting recruited to go to middle school and high school. So that, that situation within itself was kind of stressful. My mom was like, look, this is the district we in. This is what school you're going to. And I was like, okay. So I think at a point she was starting to get a little agitated. But I got recruited to go to high schools too. And that, that situation was kind of crazy because Florida is a big like playground for like uh, basketball. Oh, of course. So, like, I mean, some top athletes yes. come out so of Florida, basketball time, and football. Right, yes. So during the time that I was in high school, we had probably like four good high schools that was like in my district. And so that process was just a little stressful for me and my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom was just like, no, what school do you want to go to? Who do you want to play with? And um, I had a couple of girls that I grew up with that was at the high school that I was at. And I was like, this is who I want to play with for the next couple of years. And this is where I'm going. So, but college... That was like 10 steps crazier because you get to the point where they can start contacting you. You can start contacting them. They can start sending you stuff and stuff like that. And my mom just was like, can you please narrow this down? Because I am tired of getting stuff to the house <laughs> every week. And I was like, yeah, I guess it's about that time for us, you know, start putting things into perspective. And like I said, I had really good high school coaches who helped me along the way and helped me like figure some things out to get myself organized and straight. So. 
That what were some of your top schools? Um, by the time I figured it out that where I wanted to be, um, LSU, Tennessee, and Florida State was my top three schools that I, I was interested in. Why LSU then? So at the time, we had Sue Gunner, who was the head coach at LSU. And um, I think she was that first coach who came into my house and told me all the things that I didn't want to hear. <laughs> like what? So I had coaches came in and was like, oh, you could come to my school. You'll be a starter and this and this and this and that. And Coach Gunner was like, you're a good player. You can be great if you continue to work. You're not going to start unless you put in the work. And, and so those things like that, and, I, and like I said, I'm a, I'm a competitor. I'm just like, all right, I'm going to prove to you that I'm about to start. <laughs> I'm about to, you know, so it, it, was, it was already embedded in me. And so she didn't tell me the things that she thought I wanted to hear. She just was bold-faced honest. And that's something that I always appreciated because that's something that I always have been around. Between my mother and my brothers, uh, my sister, just, you know, just being brutally honest. Like, yeah, you're good, but you ain't that good. Or, yeah, you can do it, but you can't do it that well. And so I think having that consistency throughout my life and her just filling in that blank, I was like, this is definitely the place where I'm going. I was like, this lady is not going to hand me anything. I'm going to have to work for everything. And that's something that I needed. And that was okay for you and to go was, earn it. Yeah, that was okay for me to earn it because that's something that I've been doing all my life. So how much are you motivated by proven people right that believed in you uh -huh. versus proving people wrong that told you you couldn't do it? Um, I'm all about proving people wrong who told me that I couldn't do it. Um, my support system is not like, yeah, you see, you did a good job. My support system is like, you had a really good game, but we got filmed tomorrow and this is all the, these are the things we're going uh, to watch that you didn't do so good. So they give you that love and that support, but at the same time, they're not just cheering you on along the way. But I definitely was like, I'm going to prove you that I can get it done. And so... Those people, I think they don't like me more that I proved them wrong <laughs> because I, I came out and I did it. But at the end of the day, it's such a satisfying feeling for somebody to be like, you can't do it and you do it and they still don't like you. It's just like, you're never going to be happy. Do you feel, you feel you're still, that, still doing that in your career today, proving people wrong? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because um, a lot of people feel like the older you get, the more you decline. Uh, mine's kind of been the opposite way. The older I get, the, the more... Yeah, you, you're like fine wine. You're getting better with age, right? <laughs> and it's so weird. It's so weird. And I never thought I would be in this situation. But the older I got, the more successful I, has been, I have been throughout my career. And um, I think a lot of that just sparks motivation of, oh, she's getting older. She's slowing down. She's a step slower. She's this, 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 and that. And I'm just like, I'm none of those things. Like, you try to put on me, so don't put me in those categories. And um, I just like proving people wrong and pissing people off at this point. I love it. I love it because I kind of feel the same way that I, I have been motivated because people yeah. are like, oh, you can't do this, mm -hmm. can't do that. And I'm like, OK, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll show you. That's yeah. that's what builds the fire in, in me. And, and I love that feeling yep, uh, I do. Know, from that perspective. <laughs> what was the transition like high school mm -hmm. to LSU? Because um, now, as the coach is saying, you're not top dog. Yeah, you're not top dog. Um, I think our coaches did a really good job in high school because they, they treated us like we was a college. So we had film, we had weights, we had 6 a.m.s, um, <laughs> we had pre-practice, post-practice and stuff like that. And so they kind of like steered us in the right direction trying to get us ready, but it's still nothing like getting on campus, seeing all these people you haven't met before, going with the top of the top, the best of the best from every, you know, state. Um, it was it was humbling, um, but at the end of the day, once you get a couple of like 
pick up games in, you like. Well, this is basketball, I was right? Like, I mean, you, you just feel comfortable. Yeah, I, I felt I felt right in. I was just like, you're not gonna beat me at anything. I'm just not letting you. You're not gonna outmuscle me. You're not gonna outrun me. You're not gonna just lay layups on me. So I think once I got into that mindset of that, I just wanted to be dominant. And the coaches seen it as well. They just was like, yeah, she's in the right place. <laughs> How much trash talking goes on in college versus in the WNBA? <laughs> college is definitely worse, I think. Oh, it is? Yes. It is definitely worse. And I was conservative in college. Like, I really didn't say much. If I just got to go out there and dominate, I go out there and dominate. But you get certain players who just who test your patience. And in college, I definitely got more trash talking. Who were some of the players that... I'm pushed gonna, you to I'm, the I'm edge. Not gonna push, I'm not going to put them out like that, but it's been a couple of <laughs> It's been a couple of players who just pissed me off, and then I just went off of like 20 in a row. I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> but it, 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 they, get you, they get you going, and, and I'm, I'm pretty grateful for those players because without them pushing me to that limit, I don't think I would have knew like, my heights of, to where I can reach. Yeah, and again, it's that uh, how sports – puts you in those positions uh-huh. to push yourself mm-hmm. to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even I admire that you're at a point in your career that you would actually go back and hmm. look at your mechanics hmm. and try to improve those. Right. Because I, I'm a big believer that leaders continue to learn. Yes. And you can never stop learning. Right. So I, I admire that you've been able to do that. And again, that sports yes. can put you in those positions. Mm-hmm. And, and your mom, because my mom always say, be a sponge. She's yes. like, don't, don't always take. Make sure you're giving as well. And so I think um, just me going out there and willing to learn, no matter where level I'm on or no matter at what point I'm in my career, uh, you always have to be a sponge. You always have to learn new things because those are the things that prolong your career. I mean, if you're not learning and you're not willing to do new things, then you're pretty much at a standstill. Yes, you are. Well, obviously, if you talk to your mom three times a day, you're going to remember some stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, she, she, she's crazy. Does she still motivate you? Um, mom definitely motivates me um, from a, a different perspective now. Um, what do you mean? Because growing up, she was very academic savvy. She didn't care two weeks about what sport we played, how good we was at. She was like, if you ain't got your homework done, if you ain't passing tests, you ain't playing no game. And so I think she's now, she's now at the point where she can like be a mother because she see that we done graduated and <laughs> did those things. So I think she can just sit back and enjoy the fruits of her labor, knowing that she pushed us to this point. Um, but it's crazy because I'm back in school now. So, and this is my last year. And so she's very excited about that. I want to take off uh, for some methods. She's like, you're not. This is your last year and you're going to stick it out. And that's what you're going to do. I was like, well, all right. All right. So I have to learn more about this mm-hmm. because I have read a little bit Uh-oh. about <laughs> your desire right. after your playing career mm-hmm. and what you want to do, which mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. I, I think that's very admirable because a lot of people get so narrow focused that mm-hmm. it's just the here and now and they don't think about right. the future until the future is upon them right. and their playing career is over. Right. But being a mortician, mm-hmm. why? Um, so there's something kind of started from early age. I was always interested in it. So I was always like that creepy kid who just wanted to see how everything processed and how everything works. Please forgive me, I was young at this age. (laughs) I used to take snails and take off their shell just to see what's under it. Or (laughs) I used to, 
I used to cut open lizards just to see what their organs look like. I was young. <laughs> Don't judge me, okay? I was just a curious kid. Heavens, please forgive me. You know, I didn't mean that. But I was always that kid. I wanted to see how things work, how things function. And my mom would tell you, I got into everything. I, I had to take things apart. And it just wasn't with, like, animals and critters and stuff like that. It was with, I'm going to take the TV apart. And I'm going to see, can I put it back together? And... I had some downfalls, but <laughs> I got beaten and stuff like that. But I was just that curious kid. And um, I think everything transpired once my grandmother passed away when I was five. And my older siblings thought it was a good idea. Why? I don't know. Thought it was a good idea to give her a kiss before we take her to the burial. Once we get back in the limousine, head say to your the, goodbyes. Yeah. Once we, yeah. Say your goodbyes. Once we get in the limousine, head back to the burial, my face is just itching. Itching, 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 itching. Okay, I'm an allergy kid. I, I break out from everything. <laughs> so I just was telling my mom, I was like, they didn't do it right. And she over there crying. I was like, mom, they didn't do it right. She was like, what do you mean? I was like, my face itching. They didn't do it right. And when I get older, I'm going to do it right. And she just was like, yeah, okay, kid. Whatever. Yeah, whatever, kid. <laughs> and so um, I think 2014 is when I had my hip repair. And that was like a reality into like the sports world. I was like, this is not forever. I was like, yeah, there will be right. a time where you're no longer right. going to play. And so I was like, I shouldn't be having a hip repair at this age. I was like, I'm young. Like, what am I doing in like my early 20s? Yeah, but you've been playing basketball right. a long time. Exactly. And, and that's what he says. Just wear and tear all the time. I was like, wear and tear? Like, I want kids. Like, I want to be able to walk straight and run at the park. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> So I think in that moment, I was like, this crap is not forever. So I started taking classes and then I stopped. And then I waited a whole four years before I started over. Now you have to complete the program within four years. So once I started back, I had that was start all over again. I had again? to start all over again because that four year cycle was up. And so I was frustrated, of course. I was like, I already took these freaking classes. I got to pay again. Like, <laughs> and so, but it put things into perspective. Like you can't do stuff on your own time and and if you're really dedicated about it just go ahead and stick it out and so this is just at the point where i've been i'm like this is what i want to do this is what i got to dedicate myself to and so i've been making sacrifices so during the season i'm, I'm taking classes um i'm getting my hours in at funeral homes and so how are every, you managing your time um i really don't have time to manage if that makes any sense it does so um Practicing stuff is everything is still the same. On off days, that's when I have time to like actually go try to get some time in at funeral homes. But during normal hours and normal practice days, like my night probably don't end to about 11 o'clock because you have to find time to get your study in and get your homework done. So it was stressful, but challenging at the same time. It has to be. Yeah. And so how much longer do you have? Um, this is my last year. Last year. Yeah. So. I can see the light at the end. Of the show. That's right. You're almost there. I can there. see the light, at, and it has not been all good. Like a lot. What of do you people, mean? Because a lot of people say, "Oh, you, you having um, such a good season, and you having, you know, you doing your work, and you multitasking, and all this and this and that." But it haven't been easy. Studying haven't been easy. It's been classes that I done failed that I had to retake, and so I'm like, "Yeah, it look good," but to actually try to put things into perspective, it's hard. And so I think. Um, just getting that grit and understanding of, okay, you tried, but it just wasn't good enough. So next time when you take this class, just make sure you try a little bit harder. And so I think um, trial and error of 
you need more time to study. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then you actually need on the court. You got to um, put the time in. Yeah, you have to put the time in. And I think I took that for granted. Um, going into it, I'm like, yeah, I can get it done if I just cram this much into this. And then by the time at the end of the week, when you got to take a test, you're like, what did I just read? Like, I remember some in the middle, some at the end, but not so much at the beginning. I have to reread it yeah. three times and just so, to yeah, remember and it. And so I was like, this is not like, it's not productive. Like, I shouldn't have to read three times just to, so yeah, definitely just making sure you've been smarter. Of now, are you that more time. of a morning person or a night person in terms of like having to study? Can you study at night or in the morning? Um, or does your schedule dictate when you yeah my schedule do dictate when i study um i am a morning person per se to get up i don't know if i necessarily want to study in the morning yeah well um, nobody likes studying anyway <laughs> right i'm not studying that afternoon because i get naps every day if i don't get a nap it's just i'm so jealous <laughs> if i don't get a nap every day it's just a bad situation for me it's just, i'm just gonna put it out there so naps i have to take naps um it's been easier for me at night but i get tired like around 10 o'clock so it's like when do you have time to study? That's why I can't read at night. See? Because I'll fall asleep. See? <laughs> so <laughs> night has been good for me. Um, I find it more productive when I don't take naps and I have to study, but then I'm just moody. So I'm like, you have to. There's a balance there. You, you have to find the balance. So I'm like, if I take a 45 minute nap and then get up and study, I'm more productive. Then you're okay. Uh, yeah. Now, have you enjoyed it though, in terms of this thought that you wanted to do this, yeah. but as you're going through all of this, yes. is are you still finding that you have yes. the passion that this I is do. what you want to do? Yes, I've been confirmed more now taking classes that mm -hmm. this is something that I really want Even to do. Even more so? Even more so, yeah. So a funeral director, is that your goal after this? Um, or what's, what is the end goal? I don't necessarily say I want to be a funeral director, even though people think that's my strong suit because they think I deal well with people. Um, I just think that's just a tough situation to be in when you had a, a tough moment in your life. So I want to be in the back. Oh, you do behind the scenes. I want to be behind the scenes. So I want to be more of prep room. So that's like the embalming and then the cosmetic side, hair, makeup, and dress. And if I can do that, I think I'll be fruitful. <laughs> that's just amazing because you obviously don't run into many people that that's what they feel that their passion in life would be or that they would get a lot right. of fulfillment right. uh, in life. And it goes back to trying to please everybody and make everybody happy. <laughs> this was, that was my thing. Like, it's a tough time in somebody's life. How can I make them feel just a little bit better? And that's what a lot of that transpired from. Of course. Are you still as curious today as you were as a young kid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. But, in what way? But now my curiosity is just on different things. Or it's I'm, I think I'm stuck on more of like what is afterlife or what is life out there for other people or other things since they're not considered humans. And I, so a lot of that stuff is what I speculate now of days. Is there really a heaven? Where do we go when we die? Like stuff like that. Those are the things that I speculate more so on. Yeah, and are you questioning uh, God's involvement of heaven? Or are you questioning God? Are you questioning no. what the reality of heaven is? I think more so of the reality. I believe there is a hierarchy, for sure. Um, I just want to figure out how do we tap into that and what is it like. Like I said, I believe there's a hierarchy. Um, no doubt in my mind, I believe there's something. 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 Yes. Um, However you want to put it, if it's God, if it's Buddha, if it's Allah, if it's something's out there. Um, 
just trying to, to get a, a wide perspective of, first of all, let me just say, I don't believe God is a person. It can't be if we have humans, creatures, critters, and everything else. It's got to be something of every sort, if that's something that it made. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out um, where do we go? You know, if we, we all have these questions, yeah, if we supposed to be eternal and everlasting life, where we go when we leave Earth. So those are my curiosity. And how are other things allowed to come into Earth and we're not allowed to go? <laughs> the, these are the things that I think about. I'll be talking to how my How often are you thinking about this? I'm, all the time. All the time. My, all the time with my friends. So when I talk to my friends, they're like, oh, Lord, here we go again. I'm just like, you guys don't think about this? I'm like, how can things come into Earth? What did we do wrong? as a society, as a earth, you know, to allow things to come into us. Why can't we go into other things? We can land on other That's planets. That's a fascinating question. Yeah, we can land on other planets, but we can't get into planets. Like, how is that possible when other things can come to us? And I do think there's an aspect of, is God this person that you mentioned, or is God just energy, some right. type yeah. of, what is the, right. the cosmos that has right. allowed creations because i look at all types of stuff yes. in life and you're like i mean how did how was this created right how more importantly right. how are we created right. you know right. from that perspective and, and i do believe there's this god energy type right. of thing that had to see, be involved in the concept of creation they, i drive them crazy with this they're just like see we don't know i'm like but you guys don't <laughs> think about these things like how you don't think about these things so, yeah, those are my daily topics with my friends. Like, I look at stuff and I'm like, so I read this today. What do you think about this? They're like, <laughs> here we go again. We go. I'm like, right. you guys have to think about it. We have to put things into perspective because if we're not going to be here, it's going to be something else here after us. Like everything repeats itself, regenerates itself. What are we going to be in the next lifetime? I don't know. And that's why I, I even look at people talk about you know, climate change right. or global warming right. and I even talk to other friends mm -hmm. about it, it's hard to conceptualize some of these right. ideas because we're looking at, say, 200 years of data that's been collected mm -hmm. versus how many right. millions of years right. has Earth been around or the universe? Right. So who knows? This might be normal right now. Right. You know? And I told... <laughs> I said, just how we look at like the dinosaurs and the caveman. That's like, oh man, that's how you was living. I said, the next thing that regenerates itself on Earth is gonna be living. That's how they did things. That's right. I said, so they're gonna I, be laughing at right, us, right? Gonna, I was like, I need to know where I'm going next. Like, where where all this stuff regenerates itself? It goes somewhere. Like, yeah. where am I gonna be? And what am I gonna be? So, now, those you, are the things I think about. Well, I, I do think it's fascinating because curiosity, you know, it can, it leads to enlightenment as well. Though. Yes. I mean, you do have to question mm -hmm. in, in life and that's how you can also right. uh, become better mm -hmm. is when you question. Again, going back to the learning, it yeah. just goes back to learning. Now you also, again, I know you've talked a lot about pleasing people mm -hmm. and that's been part of your mm -hmm. nature to a certain degree. How difficult was it then when you're in the position mm -hmm. in Chicago right. and you're wanting to be traded right. and obviously a lot of people right. are looking at you oh. probably in a negative light. Yes. Well, it was a lot of good and bad. Good in the perspective that pretty much everybody was informed that I was leaving. I told my coaches, I told my teammates, I told the organization. Cool. They act like that it was cool from that time being, but then when it got time to like actually trade me, they made it such a big deal. First of all, I had fulfilled my contract. I wasn't on the contract. You can't keep me there. So a lot of people was like, 
oh, she want to leave. She don't want to be here. I'm like. Yeah, she's a selfish player. <laughs> yeah, she's a selfish player. I was like, still selfish? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, that's the last thing that I am. But then you also get those people who watch me through the Chicago system when I first came in as a rookie to how much time I put into how much, you know. And when you're in a place where you're not winning, it's hard to be in that space. You're like, I put in so much time, so much dedication, so much work. I just want to win. And so a lot of my teammates understood that. I think a lot of them didn't until probably later in life um, when they had to find themselves in similar situations. Um, But at the end of the day, the fans was great. Like, I can go back to Chicago now, and they just welcomed me with open arms. Did that surprise you then? um, It didn't surprise me because I had a lot of a good support uh, system with the fans. Like, a lot of them told me that they weren't mad, that they just were sad that I wouldn't be in Chicago and stuff like that. So it's give-take. So I think a lot of people was more happy for me than sad. But at the end of the day, you do get those ones who just not truly understanding of how the business works. Speaking of business, yeah. how long did it take you to truly understand that it's, it is a business, <laughs> right? Um, it's that not point just in sports. Time, <laughs> that point in time, because although I had made up my mind saying that I didn't want to be in Chicago, it was so hurtful because these are the girls that I spent seven years of my life with. Like, so did you have a difficult time making that decision? I did have a difficult. I had a difficult time making that decision, and a lot of times I was like, "Just go back for one more year." And I'm like, "No, not if you're unhappy. You don't go back for it." <laughs> so it was like that good bad, you know. And so yeah, that was just like, "Don't worry about it." Da, da, da. And good was like, "It's okay, but if you really want to, you know, just." And so I think once I got past that, you know, and I do a lot of praying. Uh, prayer got me through it, and I was just like, "Look, if I'm making the wrong decision." I'll be back in Chicago. I say, but if this is the right decision that I'm making, show me my next move. And I stayed home and I trained and I had no worries. Like after that, that last deadline hit, I was, I didn't feel like no low, no burden, no anything. Nothing. And that's how I knew I was making the right decision. So you didn't feel pressure yeah. that I've got to, no. ma- something's got to yeah. happen yeah. fast. Yeah. You didn't feel that. Nope. Would you have sat out the entire I would have. If, if needed to, I would have. Yeah. But I think they just had too much at stake. They couldn't have not a big in. And so it pretty much worked out in my favor. Now, how did you find out that a deal had been reached and you were oh. going to be traded? <laughs> my agent. So it could, I think it was a possibility of two times it was happening. One time I was actually on vacation and I packed up and I was like, I got to go because I'm about to get traded. Get out of town. And it didn't happen. And so I was like disappointed. Um, I felt like they was just pulling and tugging at me a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay, I see how this works. Like, they ain't truthful. <laughs> They're not truthful. They don't save it. And so I was like, okay, maybe they just try to see if I'm going to budge. And then so once I seen, once they seen that I wasn't budging, they was like, she's not coming back. And so then they just finally released me. And then my career just been booming since. I would agree. <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing. And so was the main reason to leave Chicago is that you wanted to be in a winning organization or I want, have the opportunity yeah, to win? I did. I wanted to be where, I won't say that my teammates in Chicago didn't try hard. We tried. It just wasn't enough to get us to where we needed to be. And um, Minnesota was the perfect place for me because I played with Simone in college. I played with Maya, uh, Lindsay, through Team USA. And Rebecca Brunson was like the head honcho of freaking rebounds. And I was like, who wouldn't want a four player on their side who you know that's, you're just gonna go to battle with somebody every night. And so it was a no brainer for me. And I was like, 
I know these girls. I play with these girls, and this is where I want to be. And so once I stuck my guns out and was like, I'm not going nowhere but to Minnesota, this is where I want to be. That's when everything pretty much just fell along. So were there any other options, though, that you would have looked at? Um, that I would have looked at? Yes. No. But Chicago had other options that they wanted to send me. So they wanted to send me what they wanted to send me. And I just was like, no, you can't because this is my right. And if you don't want to send me to where I want to be, then I just sit out for a year. That's some discipline if you were willing to sit out for yeah, a year. Yeah, it was. It was. It's crazy. Um, the hardest thing I probably ever did in my life, but it was worth it. But look it. at it now. It was worth it. The reward. And sometimes you have to, to stick out to your guns. And, you do. And believe what you believe in. And um, that was definitely one of my first hip, hip hoorays, but at the same time, <laughs> very like life-threatening <laughs> situations. <laughs> now, what about going overseas? Because mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think people really understand <laughs> what that entails. No. I, I've talked to... Kelsey Plum, mm -hmm. uh, Tiffany Mitchell, and Alicia Gray in, in terms of going overseas. What is that really like? Um, I think you got to look at it from different perspectives. Um, for a person like me, uh, somebody would say it's easier because I make the best money mm -hmm. and I'm in probably some of the best situations. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I hate being overseas. Like I said, I'm very family-oriented. So being away from your family for, depending on where you at, seven months out of the year? What? That's crazy. So my life when I was playing overseas, I seriously would spend a week at home after the WNBA season, a week at home before the WNBA season. So I spent two weeks at home out of the whole year. And yeah, it's the sacrifices that you have to make because you want to put yourself in a, a better situation uh, as the years to come. But at the same time, that sacrifice, you miss out on a lot. Um, family time, graduations, birthdays, holidays. And that sucks when you're very family oriented. But at the end of the day, you're making that sacrifice. Um, but it sucked for me. Had to be. I hated it. But at the end of the day, it gave me... What were some of the biggest challenges? Other than missing your um, family? Other than Just missing outside your family? Of that. Just uh, the, la the language barrier, the food, and the lifestyle that, that the people live. It's just like... Really, like, I'm not used to it, you know what I'm saying? So being able to break out of that comfort zone and trying to adjust to these people's lifestyle without looking like you're uppity or you're being bougie and stuff like that. It's just like, I shouldn't have to change my lifestyle because this is the way y'all live. Like, I should be able to still be me and do what y'all needed and what y'all need me here for us to play games. Like I said, that was a process. Once I got to that phase, I was like, it's a business. I'm here because you plan me to play. Like, I don't want to have to deal with A, B, C, and D. Like, I want some good food. I want some nice, <laughs> I want a nice hotel. Like, those are the basics. I want good food and a nice hotel. And so, but you don't find that everywhere you go. Now, if you're looking at it from a perspective where a player makes probably the same amount that they make in the WNBA, it's a little different for them. Um, they probably like being in Israel because they say that's the closest thing to American lifestyle. Closest to America. Yeah. So they probably like being in Israel because they can get to go out and they can get to party and, you know, you still make the money that you're probably making during the summer. But at the end of the day, is that enough cushion to give you that, that lifestyle that you want to live when you're done? So I guess you can see it from both perspectives. Because I met people that I know that they go, oh, I love going those season. I'm just like, you're a different breed. <laughs> 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 you're a different breed. Yeah. Um, but for me, 
it, it's not it's not something that I enjoy. Now, have you been a partier? Are you the no, type of person that goes out? I don't go, and see, that's my thing. I'm like the potty pooper. <laughs> so I don't go out. I really don't hang out. Um, just never been part of my lifestyle. I'd rather sit in, uh, read books, watch movies, do some homework. It goes back to your curiosity. Yeah, you want to learn, yeah, right? Uh, yeah. So I've never been a person that like enjoyed the, life, the nightlife or that lifestyle. And so I think that's a lot of reasons why I struggle too being overseas because I don't want to go out and hang out. I just want, you know. I want that me time. I want to uh, catch family on the right time to make sure I'm catching my nieces before they go to school and stuff like that. How's the competition over there? Um, depending on where you at. Um, when I was in Russia, competition was great. Uh, Turkey, the competition was great. China, not so so much. But then it was the best playing place to go play. Mm -hmm. So it, it's give it's take. Again, another balance. Yeah, it's, that it's give, give and take, take in yeah. life. Right now, when you come back mm -hmm. from overseas, you talk about good food. Mm -hmm. What's your go-to then? When you get um, back. When I get back home, my go-to is definitely mom's macaroni and cheese. Oh, yes, that sounds great. I don't care great. what you cook with it, <laughs> but you just make sure you have me some macaroni and cheese, and then I'm fine. What does she do so special about it? Um, I don't think it's anything special. It's just a certain taste, and it only tastes... It's mom's yes, food, it just tastes, right? <laughs> yeah, it, and I, you know how you like love a taste so much because you've been eating for so long, so when it's not the taste that you want to taste... It's just like, what is this? <laughs> like, I don't care. My sister cooked very well. My brothers cooked very well. I'm not eating any macaroni and cheese unless it's my mom's macaroni and cheese. Love it. Now, what about you? Are you a good cook? I am a good cook. I can cook pretty much everything. What's your favorite to cook? Then? What's my favorite thing to cook? I, I definitely love uh, stew. I, I love stew. So the, if I have to cook anything for myself, it probably would be stew. That's your go-to. That's my go-to, yeah. How is it then in terms for you mm -hmm. when you're, you're looking at your career mm -hmm. and again, knowing that you're also part of though a legacy, so to speak, in terms of what your generation is doing mm -hmm. for the WNBA and women's basketball right. and helping uh, propel women's basketball to another level right. for the next generation. <laughs> How does that feel? Um, Unbelievable. Um, only because we had women before us paved the way. But as you look forward, I think each generation get better in time, which is kind of scary. Um, because I look at these young ladies. Well, yeah, because USA Basketball this year did a travel team. So we've been doing like college tours before we head off to go play in Europe. And going up against these young ladies, I'm like, they're quicker, they're faster, they're jumping higher. I'm just like, <laughs> Man, like, where am I going to stand in this league if I try, <laughs> try to be around? But just to see them in uh, their athleticism and their knowledge of the game and how fast they are learning, I think this thing is just going to prepare, propel Ali even further. And I think we're going to be around for another 20 years to see because we just have so much talent out there. I agree. Yeah. It is definitely at that, almost at that tipping point. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, with the recent uh, CBA uh -huh. that, that was... Yes, you know, the CBA. That too, that gives these young ladies a lot of leverage, and I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, there's probably still more work to do. Oh, no, it's right? definitely more work to do, but, but this is a, a start. It is a start. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that these girls will at some point be getting what they deserve. Yeah. Who are some of the people that you mentioned paved the way that you looked up to? Um, you got your Lisa, your, uh, your Tina, uh, you have your Delicia, your Cappy Pondesters, your Katie Smiths, uh, Lindsay Waitley. And so those ladies, they put in work. Your Asia Jones, your Swin Cash. And so they, they did a lot for us. Tamika Ketchens coming into Ali because those 
there was I idols coming to the league. I remember like my rookie year, these ladies fighting to try to get us better opportunities, Ruth Valley. And so to see them pave the way to where we at now, that's that's a big ordeal. Now you have your NECA, Aguma Case, who out there putting in work for us because she's the president of our league. But just, I think this year trying to negotiate probably was one of the better years I seen throughout my WNBA season because this young generation has no filter and no care at all besides giving me what I want and what I deserve and what I'm worth. And to see that, I'm like, y'all going to go a long way because they didn't budge. Yeah, These they, young and they're kids not afraid yeah. to step out. No, because I remember when we went through negotiation a couple of years ago, um, my generation just was like, well, it's not going to change. And everything we asked for, they're not giving us. So who cares? And that's just how we was. But these girls was like, we ain't taking that. We deserve more than that. And just to see that, I'm just like, y'all some young rebels. And that's something that we needed throughout our league. You definitely do. Yeah. And I, I see also even like you mentioned a Swin Cash, mm -hmm. who's now, I mean, she's crossed the line into yes. men's basketball, yes. you know, in a management position right. in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So it's just continuing to, to blossom, you know, from that perspective. Yeah. And I know that has to make you feel It, it makes us really feel great. Good. But you think about these ladies who have been in a woman's world for so long and just to get a piece of what it's like to be in the men's world and also have a voice. That's pretty amazing. It is. That's pretty amazing. How does it feel when you're playing some pickup games and there are some men and you can dominate? <laughs> um, first of all, <laughs> first of all, it's it's good to always go up against guys. But those guys are very humble and they understand like the work that we put in. It's the guys that has like men ego who's not very comfortable with themselves, are always the ones who are trying to test us. Like, oh, I can take you. Or I bet you can't beat me. I'm like, you're probably right. I'm not beating a man. Let's be honest. And why you got to approach me like that? Why you just can't ask, am I a ball player? Who you play for? You know, stuff like that. I was like, why has got to always be a male versus woman when that's not really reality? That's right. Yeah. So... But yeah, but the guys who we go up against, like very competitive. Um, I get beat up a little bit, but some days I give them work. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you can. <laughs> so I remember when I was at Clemson, I remember like Sharon Wills that yes. played at Clemson. I was like, my goodness. I mean, yeah. I, she, she's better than me. Yeah. You know, I, I realized that pretty quickly. But I think it's also a give take too, because the stuff that these guys bring is stuff that we don't get to see when we go up against girls. So to be able to have to deal with them, but also to take it to the next level when we have to play against each other, it makes it so much easier. What has been more prideful for you, reaching the elite level in college, WNBA, or winning gold for USA? Um, I will have to say winning championship uh, because I never got to that level on the college level. So this <laughs> is probably like as close to doing it. Um, although it feels great to have gold medals, but it's just something about being with your team and battling with your team year round and to actually come up with a championship. Probably is one of my best moments. Oh, it has to be, right? <laughs> yes. What about when you dunk? Oh, Lord. The first time. The first time. When, <laughs> well, I, I was dunking when I was in seventh grade. So it started, Seventh grade? Seventh grade. So it started off with a tennis ball and then it upgraded to um, a volleyball. And then the men's ball. They would never let me dunk with a, a women's ball. And so I was like, I don't understand. Like, why are you making me dunk? But it made it so much easier once 
I got into the game and started playing with a women's ball, it's like, oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I was like, I see what you was doing, coach. Now it makes sense. But yeah, I was dunking when I was in seventh grade. Seventh grade. But when I did it the first time in a game, I was so nervous because I was I used to do it throughout practice. But the coach was like, we're going to drop a play. I was like, no, no, you just got to let it happen. And it was like, <laughs> it's no. It's natural, right? <laughs> I was like, now everybody looking at me. What have I missed? <laughs> but we drew up a play, and it happened twice in one game. So I was, I was very hyped. Uh, the crowd went crazy. And it just was, it just was a good feeling to know that um, these are some barriers that we're now breaking. That's right. You know, and so I was happy about it. And now to see these, these young ladies now, I'm just like, they're not even six feet, and you dunk, and I was like, "What?" So they got so much talent that they. Well, that's just, what you talk about. Yeah. The athleticism is so different, and so I even different. look at just recent years in the NBA mm-hmm. slam dunk competitions, right. and they go back to looking at the '80s because that was my right. generation right. of watching Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins uh-huh. and all of Dominique. that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. when you see some of those dunks from Dominique and Michael Jordan, right. while you know, great dunks, they're mediocre compared to what they're doing with these guys now. I mean, it's amazing. So it's the same thing that's happening in the women's game. It's the same thing that's happening. It's moving at a rapid pace, and I'm loving the movement that is going in. Who are some of the guys that you looked up to in terms of NBA NBA? or basketball guys that you like? Um, So my go-to players was Shaq. He's my LSU alumni, of course. Um, Him, and then I loved Amari Stoudemire. Why is that? Kevin Garnett. Um, because they just bigs who like finesse and just powerful and fearless. And um, those somebody, those are the players who I try to model myself around. Just going out there and dominating every night, not really giving a, a hoop nanny about, you know, <laughs> you know, not taking it easy on your opponents. Because I don't never think Shaq took it easy because he was playing somebody that was not to his level or Amari or, or KG. And then I love KG because he just trash talked. He, he don't care. <laughs> he's going to tell you what he's going to do. And if you can stop him, good job. If you can't, then sorry you. So. Oh, he was the king of trash talking. Yeah, he right? was the king of trash talking. I don't do much trash talking, but I, I do admire his game. How much longer do you think you can play? Um, right now, I try not to put a time frame on it. I try to see how my body feels. So right now I got two years on my contract. So, <laughs> so you're just taking those increments. I, I, I'm taking in increments. And um, I'll see how I'm, I'm feeling after 2021. And if I'm feeling good, I try to give it another go. Um, I don't think it would be another two years. I think I'd start doing one-year increments by then. But um, I just want to go as, as my body go. Um, I don't want to put time on it. If I'm feeling good, I want to play. If not, then I call it quits. And coaching has never been something that you thought about doing? Um, I never really thought about coaching. Um, but I don't think I have the patience for coaching. So I was like, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you mean you don't have the patience? Um, just because I think as talented as this generation is, I think they're just a little more spicy than normal. <laughs> um, since some of these girls come out there, I'm just like, your attitude, baby, or your, your tongue, you know, you, sometimes you're just going to have to scale back a little bit. And so I don't think I'm ready for... For that, I don't want you to have to give me lip. I'm like the old-fashioned coach, just like go out there, do and your try job. To, yeah, yeah, go out there and get it Take done the, the best way you can. Don't don't be disrespectful and all that thing. But yeah, yeah. So this this generation coming up, they do trash talk a lot. They do trash talk, and I don't think I'm ready, so <laughs> I'm not gonna try to be a coach. <laughs> now, if they come back to me to be a coach, um, 
if the opportunity presents itself, maybe, but it's nothing that I, I ever thought about. One thing that I do like is words of wisdom and just phrases, quotes, mottos, mm -hmm. or just life advice. Mm -hmm. So has there been anything in your life that, that, you know, that you've leaned on in terms mm -hmm. of any types of words of wisdom? Yeah. Just be the best you you can be because there's only one you. Very well said. <laughs> Thank you. I wish it was that easy, right? <laughs> it, I mean, it's not easy at all. It's not mm -hmm. easy at all. But I think once you're content and happy with self, then all these, all these quotes make sense. Are you content in life? I am content in life. I think I've done a lot of great things that I never thought that I would, would have done. Um, things that I never imagined because the only thing that I was thinking about is just going out there and work. And so just to see all these things aligned up for me the way that they have, uh, something that's way beyond my imagination that I never even thought of. I, I, I never thought about becoming an Olympian. I never thought about becoming MVP of the league. I never thought about like winning championships. The only thing that I thought about is putting in the work and going out there and having fun and everything pretty much just led itself into those situations. And sports gave you and that opportunity. And sports gave me all the opportunity to do those things. Well, it obviously brought us together yes. as well. So <laughs> Sylvia, I can't thank you enough thank for you so much. letting me steal some of your time again. I greatly appreciate thank it. Thank you. It's obvious that there's a true competitive fire and competitive spirit within Sylvia that goes all the way back to her early childhood. And proving people wrong can be a powerful source of motivation. But those people that can harness that motivation into a positive force are the ones who can achieve success much easier because they also understand the power of what Sylvia believes, and that's to be the best that you can be because there's only one of you. Now that finishes episode 132 and more of our conversations can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.